0: I I think what's so interesting about you and why I consider you a a sort of sage of this, (laughs) I don't mean to overcompliment you, by the way, I don't mean to flatter you, whatever, but but a sage of this uh, dissident movement, uh, like some other sages in different areas, but what you, I think, articulate, and also Morgoth is another one that touches on this Hmm. as well, is that the spiritual element in the political as well, and not many people are talking about this. This, Dugan, I suppose, touches on it, uh, with his fourth political theory. But what I, uh, and so that's why I think it's important because you have a lot of people that approach it from a uh, Pareto uh, political analysis. Where yeah, the Mosca
1: Pareto political realism angle. I mean, that's yeah. what translates the best into our sort of modern understanding of how politics works. But, it, you know, I, I wrote an essay on this a little earlier in this year. It's fundamentally not generative. Mm. It's still it's sort of in the it, it, the the political theory that comes out of the realist schools, the sort of Burnham managerial revolution mm. stuff that will explain the mechanisms by which the West was conquered by its own sort of managerial apparatus. Uh, it, it will tell you exactly how. It will tell you exactly. It will give you a physics of civilizational death, but it will not give you any kind of idea what leads to to a restoration or the cultivation of something new, yeah. and. You know Morgoth has been a huge influence on me, even though I discovered him rather late in my career, and we're we're friends. And and, him but but I think that. you know the the common theme that we, we hit on is, is sort of of the spiritual and uh, mm. cathartic decline of of the world around us and and how it lost its motivating ethos in a lot of ways. And this is something that uh, it's it's not something that really belies itself to some kind of easy solution. We we know it obviously doesn't work. We know that sort of clout chasing online, uh, parasocial relationships really do very little to move the needle in this area. And I think you know, looking back, there is a there is a I, I don't know if you guys are on YouTube, but one of my YouTube friends who does more standard YouTube content, uh, LP from the Hypocrite channel. Put together this retrospective on where the skeptics, you know, the 2016 phenomenon, the skeptics that made up the whole Gamergate thing, the whole original anti-HCW thing. This was an explosion of interest that occurred in 2016. And at this point, it's all but evaporated. And, and looking back, you can really easily see why it evaporated. Once the initial entertainment novelty of the product wore off and it came down to actually having to do heavy lifting and fixing the problem, Uh, none of these guys who were just, you know, really there for the clout stayed. They all left the scene and moved on to something else. And now, you know, at best they do gaming channels. Some of them have moved on to creative fiction. Uh, But, but no one does this anymore because you're trying to beat the algorithm. It's impossible to beat the algorithm as as a right winger. And even if you did beat the algorithm, all you would end up with was a variety of people who are kind of playing the same parasocial game and who are not particularly invested in finding a solution. Yeah, there's that. Yeah.
0: No, I think you can see you could see it going in that direction. I suppose it's a matter also of, of education. And you can see our side slowly as that arc develops, start to catch up, right? Is it, oh, people mm-hmm. start looking into the traditional school. They're looking to René Guénon, right? The symbolic, the traditional worldviews and thinking about things above that modernistic frame that you mentioned uh, at the start of your statement, right? And now I think more people like yourself are starting to realize that the dimensions in which the, or the units that the, polit- the political theory, the modernists take on uh, as the individual may, might not necessarily be the total motivating factor of it. And it's these other factors that motivate our way of being. And it's the difference between spiritual authority and temporal power, as you you touch on in this essay, right? So yeah. when you look at this uh, Pareto, you look, they take it as the political animal, which is the unit of one. So it's basically has an, an kind of, it does have a, a inbuilt uh, individualism in it by taking that as the basic unit. Yeah, a unit. little bit. Yeah. yeah. And you can, and you can see um, it's all on the horizontal, right? So when we look at the... what I think what can help in this, what I think you're getting at, which is a spiritual political theory in a way, um, what can help here is the phenomenologist. We look at uh, Sheila, right? Uh, Max Sheila. He talks about the value hierarchy. So... The horizontal realm is, is sort of utility, utility, and the sensuous, which is pleasurable and non pleasurable, and the vital, which is the noble and the pro, and noble and the uh, base, and then the moral. Now we're in the spiritual realms. So these the political theories really cover the stuff that's below that. Okay, and at, mm-hmm. the, at the top of the hierarchy is the sacred, and the prophet, sacred, perfect the holy and the unholy. Right? Yeah. What that's mapping are the Attractors, I suppose you could call it, because power—if we're the political animal and we're after power, right? Or that's moreness, that's will to power. But mm-hmm. these other things predate that. They set up the world itself, which is what you're hinting at, really, with your essay, right? So yeah. spiritual authority brings the truth, which which is pre-will, right? It brings the for the sake of, right? Which is Heidegger, just a bit of existential. Uh, ism terminology here, but brings the fall of sake of that sets up the very world itself before the will can even choose a thing to go after and form a vision, which these earlier political theories don't really account for. They just, uh, I suppose they will talk, say it's a myth or a lie that might motivate someone, right?
1: I think, I, I don't know. I don't think that, you know, at least in the right-wing tradition, they, you know, the, the left-wing tradition really does kind of thrive on Pointing to older views of knowledge and saying this was all a lie. From my reading of the right wing ones, they just don't address it. Uh, you know, I think that Machiavelli. It's been a while since I've read him, but I, I don't think necessarily there's enough ambiguity in Machiavelli for most readers, ancient and modern, to not be really uh, certain whether he was commending these practices as sort of a descriptive. Of how they occur, or commending them. Although, you know, in the context of how it was written, it certainly seems like he's commending them, <laughs> right? But you know, you can you can go back and read the Anti Machiavelli by uh, King Fred or King Frederick of Prussia in the 18th century, and you know he he addresses this defense made even during his time. So you know, I don't know if it really it really comes down to saying that they they think that all kind of cathartic and spiritual. Uh, descriptions of political reality are false. They just don't address them because they don't immediately appear in day-to-day behavior of the political animal that is man. And in, in most temporal analysis, is, in most temporal analysis, spiritual uh, beliefs don't really play a direct role. But I think that it's undeniable that if you take a step back and kind of look at a civilizational scale, the only way to kind of, you know the spiritual belief uh, people have in themselves and in higher powers is absolutely a leading indicator of the civilization's health and not a lagging indicator a leading one and you know, i mean obviously i don't know if you could take an ai or something and find that relationship necessarily in the data insofar as there is a data set of civilizations but certainly just reading analysis that comes from our primary sources from very well-read people this is a relationship that's been seen again and again and again and so if you're looking for uh, if you're looking like we are for the beginning of something new and not just the continuation of an intellectual critique endlessly, uh, the, the the subject of belief and the subject of, of uh, true life and the subject of generative life and generative spirits, that's something that is very, very interesting, even if you can't necessarily formalize it. I, I, even if the relationship you have with it is almost entirely intuitive. Uh, this is something that we're going to struggle with increasingly is that there's an enormous amount of human knowledge that just exists outside of the realm of deductive logic brought to bear on large data sets. And you know, maybe AI will teach us this, maybe our lack of understanding of this will cause the destruction of our entire civilization or species. Uh, but so much of human thought derives from the lack of our ability to do any formal analysis ahead of time. and oftentimes most of the formal deductive analysis we do on large data sets is post hoc uh we, we we come up with the relationship intuitively and then we backcast and discover the correlative relationship that we can prove or statistically prove, which is not a real proof you know statistically demonstrate with some level of confidence or with some Bayesian prior. Uh, that this is in fact the case. But in most situations with actual thought, you know, it has to be intuitive and it also can't be disconnected from value. We also think that thought, descriptive thought and descriptive decision-making in the universe can be done independently of value. And this is also in most practical situations, just not the case. And so this is, um, you know, these are sort of stumbling blocks for our entire way of talking about politics in a modernist mode obviously people have understood that there are the, these were there are these problems in modernism for like it's been what like 80 years since this postmodernist school kicked off and you know but no one's really come to terms with with what that looks like in a way that doesn't look like navel gazing leftist id pool right and and you know the, the the stuff that comes out of the postmodernist school it, it, it from the left at least or they're just absolutely embarrassments of of hu- the human form more, I mean, the, you know, I, I don't like to say that physi- physiognomy disproves anything, or that you know you should judge a book by its cover because that's not always true. But you know, you, the 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 if you're kind of um, taking Nietzsche seriously in the sense that you believe that the critique he started in the 19th century ultimately exploded the modernist project in the 20th century. Uh, and and the product of you know if you, the product Nietzsche would be looking for would be some kind of brave heroic soul at the end of this process that was willing to take the next step, and that actually wanted to live, and not uh, you know not a series of beings that were totally self-involved in their own pleasure and couldn't come up with a reliable reason not to kill themselves. And this is sort of the struggle of man in his modern form is coming up with a reason not to kill himself and i don't mean that in sort of the french existentialist way i forget what french existentialist uh, it's probably someone like camus or something like that he said that the real struggle uh, you probably know more than i do but this is it's been years but that he said he said something to the effect of the, the real struggle every philosopher has is why not kill yourself and I think in, in that sense, in the French sense, he literally meant like, why shouldn't I shoot myself in the head with a gun? But the more you know, post 21st century translation of this is, why should I not take on board some kind of narcissistic and hedonistic lifestyle that will have me staring into a dark mirror a reflection of myself, uh, you know, masturbating until I just destroy myself and and I, I end and I don't actually generate anything meaningful that can survive into the future. A real life requires real sacrifice and, and the dedication to things that are beyond yourself. And there's nothing of that that can be found in the products of the postmodern schools that the left has talked yes. about date at least. Yeah, I think that um,
0: fundamentally it requires putting being at risk because what we are in the spirit of the age, which you sort of touch on. I think though the spirit of the age is is simulacrum. We're in a simul—that's the postmodern, postmodern mm. realm we're in, simulacrum, where every. That's why you have people saying, "Well, why not just suicide? Or why not just?" This, yeah. this, this, this way of thinking, because well, none of it's real, right? It began with, yeah. in modernism, taking man as the measure of all things. And that obviously leads to the nothingness because we are, in essence, the nothingness on our own. We're not God, are we, right? We participate in being, but when you take man as yourself, as a measure, the next step is everything simulacrum. But I suppose it does op- open up an opportunity to what the right's doing with this is to move it to the traditionalism, to, to move it the other way. Because when everything's simulacrum, you can, it opens up opportunities. When everything becomes unreal, you can bring your own in. And I suppose here perhaps- Traditionalism talking- is
1: a thorny thing though, and this is, you know, I've dealt with this a lot, is that um, traditionalism in the sense of this thing w- worked in the past and is currently a living solution to the problems we face. If that's what you mean by tradition, or this 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 tradition points to a larger living spirituality, that's available to us now if that's what you mean by traditionalism and I think that's what Gunnan mean, meant by traditionalism I, I believe if you asked him that he would probably accept that definition then then you know I'm a supporter of traditionalism but but so much of the sort of larpy traditionalism you see online is this sort of a pornographic traditionalism or it's an Egyptian traditionalism think of most of the you know and, and some good channels partake in this to a really ridiculous degree where their, their entire channel is based on kind of this Egyptian worship of a past <laughs> West that no longer exists. You see this yeah. in sort of in the, in the liberal centrist form, this exists for uh, uh, a sort of nostalgic look at the 1990s or maybe even earlier, the 80s or the 50s. And mm. and you could go up to and including traditionalists of various religious traditions that have this kind of Egyptian relationship to uh, you know, a past version of the West that nobody really has ever experienced or can really understand. Maybe you have a, if you have a great grandparent, they might have experienced this world. Or if you're like me, a grandparent, you know, who 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 lived in Eastern Europe where this stuff lagged behind a little bit, uh, you know, but but all of this stuff uh, is, is, it's sort of, it, it now exists only on the page and only as the word. And so in order for us to, at all participate in this in anything like the way that our ancestors did, and not just sort of celebrate them as an element of nostalgia or in sort of an Egyptian way where we're entombing our lives to theirs as tributaries to a, a reality we can't experience. Uh the 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 lessons and the practices need to actually be lived in real life. And yeah. exactly. something that is uh, you know, that's a missing piece. And this this can't be be communicated online. And, you know, we've all been locked in. Or I mean, to various degrees, we've been locked in our houses for two years. Now, obviously, it ended last year for most people in most countries. Uh, but, but even if you didn't obey the lockdown, strictly speaking, public life has been radically truncated. And, you know, you can't control that. So right now, we're trying to rebuild what it actually means to live in the real world and live authentically in the real world. And no one really knows what that means yet. I mean, people, we, we've experienced it. We're trying to... Figure out how to incorporate these things in real life, but this is uh, this is something that uh, you know people are still trying to figure out. To what degree is my traditionalism an actual lived experience for me, and to what degree is it sort of a an element of my online profile?
0: I think this is where symbolic thinking helps, right? Because what it does, and as you participate in a uh, symbolic tradition like the Orthodox Church, or for your for your mm-hmm. case, the Catholic Church is that you are, you're changing how the world worlds to you, right? As you start enacting the rituals, as you start uh, participating in the church, it changes the very perspectival knowing or knowledge that you have. So it looks different, right? So you have the Mm -hmm. profane modernism, as C.S. Lewis talked about, when you're in a hotel, Christianity seems less plausible, it seems less real.
1: (laughs) Wait, did did, did C.S. Lewis actually say that?
0: Yes, and he said that because oh. what he means is, is that the hotel room is utilitarian, so it's imbued yes. with the the profane value of usury, or use, just use it, oh, it's a tool just to use, but that is just how mm-hmm. being is currently being uh, sent to us, right, as Heidegger talks about, it's like sending of being changes in epochs from when it was first mm-hmm. sent in the, in the Greek age, right, and at the moment it's utilitarian, will to power, and even now Simulacrum, right, so that is that if we can that's the use of traditionalism the true use of it is to to help you go into to get your world to world in that way more strongly Mm -hmm. because what i have found when i've attended orthodox ceremonies and i've imbued myself in this symbolic way of thinking and i look at it and see it as no that's god that is god that the 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 candle that that goes ahead of the procession right? These are really what it is. This is, it is the really the body of Christ, right? It is really, Mm. the church is really the body of Christ. Symbolically, that's and that's how the ancients saw it. And in fact, the ancients, their symbolic thinking, better map, their way of thinking, better maps, the higher order phenomena that we now see emerging online, principalities forming, hyper agents, Mm. right? And when we use this way of thinking, it can help us to articulate uh, phenomena in political life, that don't seem to fit well into an individual analysis of the individual on his own. He seems to be being driven by a daemon, or or a doesn't, don't they, right? So I find, at least, that helps my analysis. Um, And when you look at Nick Land, he's someone that is going in this direction. He he, uh, replied to one of my things recently, and I said (laughs) daemons are real. He goes. I yeah. say, daemons are real. That voice in your head isn't always you. <laughs> he says, yeah. yes. In fact, you're just a daemon that got trapped in the box, and that's what he means <laughs> by the outsideness, right? Because you, the outsideness is the demons in. I'm not. I don't necessarily agree with his empirical, radical empirical ontology, but you, yeah, it is becoming more and more relevant, isn't it? This that no, that's no, how absolutely. you can use it. What do you think of that?
1: No, I mean that that's true. And I, I don't always like this notion that we're radically. You know, I, I do also think that this idea of you know we're a demon trapped in a skin suit is is hypermodern in a lot of ways, and I, I think that uh, disembodied spirits are, are certainly an element of the pre- symbolic world, but there's something sort of radically wrong with that, at least in mm. our temporal reality, of being kind of a ghost. Or these things are at least in the Christian tradition treated incredibly negatively. And I think there's a problem seeing man as sort of a a, yeah, a, dis, a disembodied demon, as temporarily trapped inside of a beat suit. Uh, that sort of taps into the whole Gnostic perspective that was rejected yeah. at the you know at the fall of the previous civilization. And there's something to be said for this idea of the radically disembodied soul as an element that always seems to occur during the later stages of a civilization, which is you know another sort of disturbing similarity we see between ourselves and and the and the civilization that that surrounded us right the civilization that uh or sorry, the civilization that preceded us the 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 the, the old ancient world order that that spengler's very want to point out and even he spengler talk, uh he
0: where he articulates cultures are oh, as a as a hyper organism um he, he different signs yeah. I suppose you could call it different beings. And I think it is helpful as an analysis to see them as that. You could say that it comes out of the ethnos, I suppose you could call it. In fact, some of the time the, the romantic poets and the romantic artists got it right when they drew these national personifications as, as angels, <clears throat> I suppose you could call it, or a distributed cognition. And it seems like now we're, we're catching up to that with our scientific uh, descriptions of these things, because the cognitive scientists call it a hyper-agent or a distributed cognition or an extended cognition. Um, i don't accept nick land's uh, outsideness theory by the way that's just a, that's just his particular way of, of describing it um i think someone like heidegger better fits with the christian description where a man is participating as the guardian of being he's both he's the in between those uh subjective yeah and i've read very
1: little heidegger and i know i need to but my time's limited but i get the sense that people here are thinking along very Similar lines, right? Yeah. That people are thinking along very similar lines in all of these spheres, and that is sort of how do we step away from bugman reality? And they, this is very difficult for content creators like myself, because by by the virtue of us being here and generating a product for people to consume, we are playing the bugman game, and this is why the 2016 to 2019 skeptic movement was always going to fail because it existed 100% on social media platforms that were controlled by people who had every incentive to push people back into the consumeristic box. And this is something, you know, I know I mentioned iHypocrite's retrospective on the, well, not the New Atheist, but kind of the New Atheist movement, the skeptic movement of 2016 to 2019. He said back then, people actually YouTubers actually cared about what each other like what other youtubers thought of them right so if you said something stupid and then another youtuber criticized you you'd be like really offended and you'd want to go on a stream with them and, and make things better or do a response video or something like that because because people got clout, they got elevated by their relationships to other youtubers and so it was kind of like an actual genuine academic community but then starting around 2019 youtube changed the algorithm and this was solidified in the times of covid where it was incredibly locked down, where the algorithm itself would be what elevated you. And so there would be enormous numbers of people, mainly leftists, where everyone in their community hated them. I'm thinking here people like Vosh and the other debate me people. Uh, they had very poor content. Everyone in, like uh, other leftists hated them too. But the fact that other people hated them actually increased their profile because what, what ultimately was promoting them was the algorithm. And the algorithm just... What the algorithm wanted to promote in 2019 to 2022 was like endless streams where people constantly interacted with the stream and uh and as long as you're generating controversy it didn't matter what people thought of you and so it shifted from being sort of a uh a sort of dialectic product which was still entertainment to being more of a pure entertainment product and the streamers, the Twitch streamers were, the political Twitch streamers like Vosh were the ultimate winners of that process. But this transformation was always going to occur because the, the you know, dialectics as entertainment is is a suboptimal way of running the YouTube business model, of running the Twitter business model. The optimal way is entertainment or just controversy as, as a business model. And, and so you, you could kind of see dialectics die online in real time in that process. And, but we had no reason to expect it. The, we had no reason. As a matter of fact, that particular little period of time between 2014 and 2020, it's a miracle that that even happened. There was no incentive for the social media companies to create that. And they'll try their damnedest not to create it again if they possibly can. But, but right now, I mean, what we're kind of, what we're left with is sort of a, a number of people who are disillusioned with, with this model of conversation or looking for something different and if the only thing we have to offer them is a sort of podcasts in the vein of what the left generates in the vein of what the mainstream generates but just like more edgy uh we're, we're not actually fighting the battle we're just sort of selling people diet pepsi alternatives to the same garbage they're drinking uh speaking of Morgoth you know he had this one Morgoth's a very talented person in writing these very short Articles that just kind of tase a greater idea uh, or or they they have like a choice sentence that sort of makes things click. And I'm not even so sure that Morgoth understands the deepness of these sentences while he's writing them. He's just a person where these sort of profound insights occur to him. And, and that's what makes him such a wonderful content creator. And, you know, he gives the example of, of sort of AI generated art as being something that if you put effort into it, you would value it. And you'd cherish it, but if you just put it into a search engine, the exact same image is worthless, and you'll toss it away. And and what what happens is is in in this in this sort of parasocial space, uh, the 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 parasocial organism of the internet consumes time that that is actually a limited resource of our, of, our, of our own, and it generates content or or generates entertainment, which now could be procedurally generated so and and it doesn't give anything back i mean so what is the what is at the end of the day if i watch this youtube channel and i dedicate i don't know over the course of a year perhaps even hundreds of hours to watching or listening to this podcast i only have hundreds of hours of entertainment and what is at, at the end of the day what has been generated uh you know likes on this this podcast dopamine hits in my brain but what a value in my actual life has been generated. Hopefully, a better understanding of the real world. But but even then, it, it's very, very difficult to embody this because, because an understanding of the real world has to, in some sense, translate to your actual physical lived reality. And, and so at the end of the day, there is this question that, that sort of undergirds all interactions on this medium. And that is, what, what am I pulling out of the machine? Uh, maybe a book recommendation of a book that I actually buy, uh, m- maybe I go to a conference, or I, you know, we have this thing that we do in our circle called basket weaving that I'm trying to expand. That where people meet, and and hopefully maybe from that comes a friendship. I've met a bunch of in real life friends doing that, where where we actually do real things in the real world. Uh, it's important to have an understanding of of what actual substantive thing you pull out of the internet box. Rather than just creating a profile in the database of the internet's box, because you don't, you don't even, you don't even own that data. Like they can take that away from you at any time. So, I mean, it's questionable what how valuable the ones and zeros are to begin with, but it's even more questionable once the ones and zeros aren't owned by you and that are instrumentalized by, you know, corporations and their AI slaves to potentially be used against you in very material ways. Uh, so everyone has to answer the question of what they generate in in the real world, what they generate for the people around them, and how this leads to an actual human life that that is more enriched than than that which kind of went before them. And and we 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 do what we can to generate that. And it's a very this is a hard problem. It's it's not easy at all. Um, but but uh, you know it's something that I think everyone has to think about in in this space. And creating an economy that does this you know for instance there's always going to be a need for people who just sort of go straight into the algorithm and gain the algorithm to get attention on it but the, the process should always be to feed people back and back into the system right to deeper and deeper relations what the algorithm wants you to do is it wants you to get clout so you can feed it back into your own channels cloud engine and kind of close the loop that way Uh, So you can kind of keep the process of entropy going. So more and more real hours and more and more real currency are poured into the online machine. Uh, We're trying to run the engine in reverse where, okay, so maybe you watch an iHypocrite stream. And iHypocrite's a great guy. He does great content, by the way. He has a valuable role in this. But he he does a a lot of the content he does or what he's best known for is is sort of this um you know, a very well produced but still definitely in the mode of outrage porn product called you can't stop progress. Uh, it's important that people who 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 sort of are drawn to this outrage porn uh use this as sort of a motivation to keep them looking deeper into broader ideas into better practices and that this initial outrage porn funnels them backwards to, Sources online that can answer these deeper questions, uh, or sources online that can try to build real, real world relationships, so that at every iteration, your consumption of the parasocial product is pushing you in the direction of the real social, and is pushing you in the direction of the real spiritual. Um, and this again, this is this is something that it, we're we are trying to run this machine in a disentropic way and machines that are run in disentropic ways require a constant input of energy. Uh, and, and, and they, they only work because the humans that we produce on the opposite end of them will be healthier humans that have more energy and that will be able to help pull up others after them. Yeah. So I I mean, our entire product, the thing we're trying to generate is entirely different from what the mainstream and to a larger degree with the left is trying to generate.
0: Yes. And it's almost, uh, Using again that vertical, it's generating. I think when we look at the two goals we should have, it should be to be building, like you say, build out, building outside, but also giving people the vital energy to do that mm. and improve themselves at the same time. So you're building a robust community uh, that has more vertical ascent. They're initiating themselves, hopefully, into religion, which makes them vertical. It means they start mm. seeing the way the world was them. They're seeing these the proper evaluation of reality by Going to church and they start like like you know when you're initiating the christian practices the world changes and mm. how it looks to you um yeah. so if we can help with that and then instead of it being let's say people might donate to you or pay for you because they just want to watch your content and i've got some of those people that pay for mine yeah. right but most yeah, of them yeah, I mean, aren't, it's essential
1: though. i you know yeah of course. No, I mean, but it, i mean most it,
0: of them it, i find are paying because for other reasons and they pay way more because they've been lifted into a higher order of value, because the value is different. Mm. They see what's going on. And so if we can make that our aim, that segment of the audience, or to bring people in out of the utilitarian, not out of the entertainment into that, that, that could be core to the goals of what mm. everyone's doing and building these networks. And thinking about it perhaps like, like a principality, a distributed cognition, because in a sense, that's what it is. If you can unite more of them, but also what you've been so good at is Creating a way of moral interaction between these principalities, which you have this post bec- uh, which is called yeah. Friends, right? Uh, the, the no one else has done this thing. though. I know this seems you you're you know, you, I don't want to overcompliment you or anything, but no, no one else has done this though, right? They just have a uh, I, I will try
1: I've heard you say that I should put that into an essay, and I will put that into an essay at some point. Um that'd be great. Yeah, I'll we'll help you yeah we'll, we'll, you know, should, whatever. Yeah. i will yeah. no, probably get to it yeah. this summer, but yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, this is, uh, this is, uh, that, that, mm-hmm. that is something that I, I to I don't want to like black pull you on this, but like, this is sort of an unsolved problem right now. Like that, what mm-hmm. you said right now is absolutely what we're shooting for, but the super chat's a great example of this. And you know, the, the sub this is, this is a, a currently a problem that we're, we're encountering here is, is that, uh, ideally what would happen is that. I would work for an organization that facilitated the development of young men, and I'd write articles for them, and it'd give me a little bit of compensation for the amount of my spare time that I put into this, which is, you know, somewhat significant, considering I work a a day job, right, and I have a family and all this stuff, right, so I don't have tons of time for this, but... Um, I, ideally there'd be an organization and that organization's goal would be to like develop ideas and to, to make better young men and women. It would literally be like an anti-university, right? And they would, they would have their own publications and they would have their own editors. And if I wrote something that was substandard, an editor would call me and go, okay, let's fix this, right? Let's, let's improve this, you know, or, or there would be sort of a peer review process or something like that. But the problem here is that although that would be ideal, that's not how social media pulls, right? Uh, it, joining an organization is very, very difficult for me to justify financially, even though I understand that would be the ideal because I, I don't need a publication to promote me. Like I have Twitter and, and if people like the article, they'll just retweet it. So joining a publication and writing for them is um, it, 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 it's good for community building, but it, it does not, that's not currently, I mean, originally the way of a publication would be the publication had sort of an outlet to the, the the masses that you could never have as an author individually through the printing press press, uh, but but now that printing press has been universalized, so the the utility is purely in community building and 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 also for super chats, right? Like the, the the best way if I wanted to get more money in super chats, which I right I don't. I mean, I appreciate people super chatting me because it helps me you know, justify the time and make time in my schedule. But but if I wanted to double down in the Super Chats, I, I would just always be streaming. And I, I would also encourage people who gave Super Chats to participate in the online community as opposed to pushing them off the online community. Uh, and, and, but you know, I don't want more Super Chatters. And you know, I, I know for a fact, right? I know for a fact that 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 if every if half my Super Chatters had really thick on, uh, in real life communities, uh, there would be people in those real-life communities telling them the exact same thing that I'm telling them, and it would make a bigger impact on their lives, and it would help them even more fix these problems in their lives and answer these questions. Uh, and and they would also be a, a real... And I like to think that I, I, I'm i sort of pre-friends with most of my audience, but of course, it's over Dunbar's number, so how can that even be possible, right? Uh, I, I, so so the, the incentive is to keep people in the super chat system, where the incentive should be, and you know, and, and we have to struggle with our own internal demons to push this. The incentive yeah. should be to constantly push people into situations where, where, where the, the kind of things they ask in super chats should be asked to friends in real life that share their ideological convictions in these dimensions, because that's how you get real strength. Everyone will Club. will sort of know this, yeah, in, in online spaces, but a lot of people. Uh, they have deep personal problems, and they try to solve them by reaching out to online individuals. And mm. I can give a few advice life pointers, but I, I've tried to sort of go deep with some people and try to actually game out their problems, and it never works because mm. the, the advice I can't give them advice that's tailored enough to their own because I don't know them in real life, right? Uh, any advice that would On fix their life would have to be super tailored to their problems, right? Which I don't know, well, well, and maybe- I don't have skin in the game, like.
0: Maybe this is yeah. where a different model comes in, right? Where partnering with an entrepreneurial type can help. Because for me, the most money comes from now individual consultations, which I never even provided on my channel. I had people ask me for this. Oh, can you hmm. do this for $200 an hour? Can, can I speak to you? An engineer. And these aren't crazies. This guy makes quantum <laughs> cameras, right? Quantum oh, wow. cameras, okay. in, you know, went to Cambridge and stuff, asked me and I went, okay, I guess I'll start offering this. Right, and I can imagine there must mm. be so many people out there would what would ask the same for you. And that model, can, I believe, with how I've structured what I'm doing, is it can lead to a club model. I think, right? So you yeah. have people yeah. that are spiritually invested, they're bringing money into it, and they can see you've got a project that is developing towards a club in the real, which you are doing with with uh, Beowulf yeah. Foundation,
1: Basically, yeah. uh, and, the Beowulf, and finger. I think that,
0: yeah, but of your own as well, a, a, perhaps a formal uh, club where. It's directed perhaps in person that, oh hey guys, you're not just here to meet me, you're here to be with each other, right? But it's because it's a club and that it's that model, because clubs have worked since the dawn of time, where people have due membership dues, and you're the head of that club, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think there are other models that can work that can get us out of the super chat mode. Because I don't even do super chats, I don't do live streams. The thing that sustains my channel is just these uh big memberships, big donors, I suppose.
1: But um, well, this yeah, isn't so. This is another thing that we are we are learning to develop. Like everyone, this is the thing: is that everyone's moving. This everyone knows the same. Like this always happens with this community: is everyone sort of moves in the same direction at the same time. Uh, so what 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 was really everyone understands right now that the name of the game is going to be to develop this sort of Craigslist for community members or five mm. Craigslist is exposes me as an obvious sort of millennial because that no one uses that site anymore except to purchase prostitutes. I've heard <laughs> that's, that was that's the joke. I, I don't know. Maybe that's not true anymore, but that's the joke about how Craigslist died. Right. Um yeah. But, but everyone, you know, this is something that uh a friend Bennett, uh, Falikeri is developing as well with this exit group. Newfounding mm-hmm. is developing yeah. the same thing. The Foundation is doing the same thing. Yeah. the The idea is to create sort of areas where people can purchase gig services from other members of the community uh, uh, and that this can be circulated around so that online services can be purchased from friendly entities. Mm-hmm. And, and cooperation can be facilitated in that way. And, and so that if you're if you're interested in supporting the community, then you can, you can you know you can sell and buy your services uh on, on these platforms and it's a way to actually make the community stronger and yeah. and it, it it does it is business again i foresee problems here because again mm-hmm. business and friendship is sort of antithetical these are antithetical yeah. draws uh but but what i what i what i hope to see coming out of that would be a certain community of of business people that have a certain level of ethical standards to stay on these sites mm. right uh, it, you know because we, we use different ethical standards than mm. the rest of corporate america so it's sort of like a better business bureau that we control that that is controlled yes. by people with more classic values or more traditional values as sometimes people call them but the, the other more exciting well, that- thing is to create sort of collectives of artists that live in the real mm. world and really? or, or communities that, that, that are, are, are more connected in a real human way mm. that, that use this sort of as a collective outlet. So that these people produce something in the real world uh, that, that's sort of deep and thick. And then they hop onto the network to sort of get a monetary reward or to get it circulated in, in, a, in a faster way. So, um, you know, we really have to experiment what can be done with these networks. and and how to tune the parameters correctly. But but these networks are going to have to be off of the mainstream corporate networks because they're going to have to have different priorities than just maximizing profit and parasocial engagement because the maximization of parasocial engagement never leads to anything except more parasocial engagement Mm -hmm. as we have learned in the last three or four years. Yeah, I, I think you see
0: with that uh you need do need a strong sort of moral guidance and again back to your post on the friends what our friends are supposed to treat each other so we can find a way to uh, bring those things that have a clear obvious utility into the, uh, the trans principality the pagans this that We can get them all to read it and agree you know agree to this basic code right you know, just yeah. even unofficially agree. I think that can help a lot with these businesses. So perhaps that moral realm can go into how we should operate and how we treat each other in person, that sort of thing, right? So because we don't have yeah, enough people that offer this moral guidance. And again, that's the only post I've seen that really says, how can we interact with each other? Here are some rules. I just haven't seen any other people that say have really done that uh, for all groups. It's in- odd.
1: I-, I think we could get together and write up rules like that. Um, Mm. I, originally I I wrote in, okay, people must have made thousands of these by now. Right. Mm. Uh, but, but I bet you, if we came up with general community rules, they would look a lot like that. They might Mm. be enumerated differently or grouped differently, but I bet they would look something like that. I sort of, Mm. and these would be coalition rules, not specific community rules, because if you're going to do a thick in-person community, like, you know, something more akin to like a church organization. I mean, you, you, there would have to be like no blasphemy rules, right? And you can't run no blasphemy rules writ large in a community where people have different religions or different spiritual faiths. So uh, this is something that, uh, you know, I, I should definitely put this in. I mean, it would be interesting to see that the ideal situation would be someone saying like, okay, that's full Let me make a better one, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, well, that, so, hopefully it
0: does open source in that way. But I think you could also yeah. apply it somewhat to business so people can know what to expect from the, the group that they do business, you know, because uh, ideally we're going to yeah. go onto this platform and we click okay. And this I imagine is a conversation, hopefully Beowulf guys, I know you watched this. Uh, <laughs> you're probably doing this internally and you're probably watching this right now. Hopefully you can have someone that uh, I think someone like Dave, who is, I would say of the Christian perspective, is usually better at doing the inter group stuff yeah. and perhaps Nietzschean might be, uh, but yeah, they can help organize that. So then people know what to expect from the businesses. Because if you get these daily wire types, it's just rampant free marketism. You get these black rifle coffee that come out pretending LARPing as traditionalists and they're just exploiters and
1: fakes, right? Yeah. No. I mean, that's that's the, the thing. I mean, the, if there's a market niche, you don't need to mm-hmm. make it, you just need to fake it. Yeah. And and so this this is the reason why like right the the conservative movement is just. It's just red meat for grifters because you've got mm. a variety of people who are desperate to not get counter-signaled on and that will accept mm. anybody who's willing to sell them their own comfort products back to them with less woke paraphernalia attached to it mm. and, and and it's always hard to the problem is it's so hard to suss out the grifters because the point of the business is to make money right so if if, if you point out that the person's just making money okay he's just being a businessman by the rules of business right yeah. um uh you know what what marks people as sort of i mean i think that and then of course they get to the sort of big leagues and the only way the corporation can grow is by essentially throwing their own audience under the bus and it's only at that point where you, you 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 kind of separate the wheat from the chaff, right where he's once their profit growth direction leads them in a woke direction you, you see whether these corporations are more interested in serving the community or if they're more interested in, or if the community was just a stepping stone for them reaching you know market capitalization yeah. and, and you know the the the, the so when the, the big banks would be interested in actually giving you them a loan to expand their business model and you know there's this there was this concept the left had this concept do, do you ever this is actually one of the most fascinating cultural phenomenons you're probably I don't know how old you are but if you're my age you will very you, you will very much recognize the decline of this concept in in popular culture or in uh sort of uh dissident popular culture the idea of selling out do you remember that yeah, I mean, yeah were you, yeah, were yeah. you a kid in the 90s
0: yeah I mean, you were, i'm 37 you were,
1: how old are you I, whatever yeah, that's that is yeah, we're now. roughly yeah. the same age roughly the same age yeah. right okay so if you're if you're a kid from the 90s you will remember how big of a deal selling out was Specifically, Mm. you know, and everyone will remember this: uh, the most prominent rock star of of our generation, Kurt Cobain,
0: Cobain killed himself.
1: I mean, killed himself because he was on heroin and and experiencing a a very radical, you know, valley, a very radical uh, abyss. Mm. But but ostensibly, he killed himself because he thought Nirvana was selling out. Like, express what selling Mm. out means to a rock band in two thousand twenty three. Like, the concept doesn't exist anymore. The whole yeah. idea that uh, the rock music would have some kind of broader principle for which its its uh, its wealth or its success would mm. be a, a an impediment is alien yeah. to, to modern left wing culture. For for modern left wing culture, the cloud is the point. So it's impossible, yeah, yeah. and the modern left wing culture has broadly followed modern popular culture in in the seventies and in the eighties and in the nineties. Uh, the radicalism of the 60s and the idealism of the 60s, people were worried that rock music, which should have been a revolutionary art form, was being made corporate. And so selling out was a thing. And then in the 2000s, we realized that selling out isn't a thing because everyone is just interested in maximizing their clout, and clout is the point. Uh, For the right wing, because we're interested in genuine progress in opposition to the 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 accumulation of cloud selling out is going to have to become a concept again yeah and i think this is a very old old wasn't wrong
0: about everything we need to yeah no it was
1: not right absolutely right it it just they stopped believing in it they stopped believing or they start they started believing in a much more squalid version of what they believed in initially and and so for the left um for, for the left they don't care that you're making millions of dollars just by being a personality who who says things that that are quasi revolutionary the only thing that matters is that you're their guy and that you're building enough clout to kind of make sure that their their particular pet issue is dominating in in the social media marketplace this is not the game that we're playing as right wingers. The game that we're playing, or dissidents generally, because I don't know if even right wingers is very appropriate anymore. Yeah, uh, a lot of there are a lot of Marxists who who are, who are essentially in the dissident sphere because they can't stand mainstream leftism and what it's become. But but if you're in the dissident sphere, the point of the game is is to authentic, is, is to create a sphere where authenticity and 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 real community are valued. And are, uh, and are the end goal and not simply instruments to broader clout and money-making. And and as such, you know, selling out, selling out is not really something that you do. It's just an attitude that that you're shown to have over time. And and all it means is that you value the clout and the money more than you do the principles that first brought you into the project. Yeah,
0: you're for the sake of was probably always too weak in its overarching of how your world worlds to you. I suppose, sorry, this is Heidi Mm Garrett. Gibberish, it's probably sound like the people don't understand it, but not understand it. But anyway, it's very, I'll try to, let me think about how to articulate Mm -hmm. that. Yeah.
1: No, 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 it's fine. uh, uh,
0: Yeah, so a way of articulating what you're saying is that they had a certain principle uh, that governed everything they were doing, leading up to a point where they had enough capital to transcend their very customer base. And that's when they get capitalized, like you said, by the banks. When that happens, they go, oh, yeah. well, we don't care about all this stuff that we said earlier just to get to this point, which is what a Facebook yeah. does, all that, because they don't need you. You're so big that they don't. Uh, they're so big. They don't no, no longer need the basic customer that you just become a unit. So
1: yeah, maybe yeah, that's exactly. the truth. I mean, of how much we can they grow to... in the conservative space, right?
0: It, yeah, exactly. And uh, so that's what we need to be, I suppose, careful of. Um, and, and, in these, uh, and this comes to this face-to-face, and you've talked about this in some of your videos where your wife had a great instinct for some of the people that she met. So it's a, bu- a bit of that. Yeah. It's in-person understanding, seeing people in person, but also having a higher order. Again, it's this vertical, not horizontal. So we can build in for everyone. You know the second religiousness. Hopefully, we can help facilitate this because we're not gonna. That's how we win. It's the second religiousness, mm-hmm. it's the and this isn't a lie, it's the truth
1: of being. <laughs> well, this Bengalarian second religiousness is oftentimes described as being kind of a lie, right? Oh, is it? I right, think right. What I what we that. what we right. want is right. a Merovingian right. religiousness, right? Yes, yeah, um, yeah. well, the truth yeah, of we, being. We, and- yeah. maybe we do want a second religious list because it would probably last for a hundred years before it collapsed right and and that would certainly that would get that would get you from kids to grandkids fairly handily right Hmm. um but but i think there's something there's no replacements for sort of the merovingian instinct the sort of primal instinct that that you're in contact with with something that's real and spiritual which is um you know procedures
0: can completely make a break
1: from nostalgia Ritual procedure
0: can get you to that, getting outside of the propositional and the simulacrum of online. So we can work in a process, perhaps. I'm not saying we're founding a religion or anything, but we can be a channeler. Like you see Jay Dyer, uh, Jonathan Pajot, they're channeling people towards the Orthodox Church. And that, those procedures that are in that, and Catholic religion too, I'm not going saying that that's not there too, I've got Catholics to follow me. Um, that breaks you out of the profane and brings you into a sacred space or it brings you into uh, it breaks you out of the ontology of the postmodern and into what i would say which is the truth um and that truth if we can help facilitate that should give our guys the pr- appropriate for the sake of that makes their world what it is before they even have something to will towards that's what we need the thing mm. that's underneath politics like you described so if we're going to uh, imbue that Beyond the cynical, because we have a lot of Nietzscheans, cynic Machiavellians in our area, we need mm. something more than that beneath that. Which,
1: well, I mean, which they
0: have the... and don't even realize. They've got the way the world worlds them before they even yeah. choose a goal. They've got that they don't even realize, right?
1: Um, I don't know what Nietzscheanism looks like in the real world. I just don't know what it looks like in the real world. Mm. Uh, it, I, I know exactly what it looks like as sort of an online posture, but I don't. What does a Nietzschean community look like? Is there even such thing as an enchant community? Uh, there was this post by Zero ZeroHP Lovecraft and I kind of owe a, a tweet that thread response. But the, but the problem with this stuff is, is, is that like when he says like he wants an enchant Christianity, what, what he really means is he wants a Christianity with no weak and stupid people in it. And, you know, when you get into the real world and you have an actual community, there will be stupid and weak people in your community even if you filter for strong people there will be strict. And, and if your community's solution is just like okay well you know we'll weed them out uh you know you're not going to get very far intergenerationally that way the- there has to be a way of of giving people a role and not mm. have everyone be some kind of Promethean Superman and I'm not even convinced that these people are such Promethean supermen – yeah in real life anyway right Right? i don't i actually i mean i'm not saying that they're weak or something or that they're all like living Mm -hmm. in their mother's basement but I, i don't think that there is a big difference between the promethean heroism of your average nietzschean guy on the right and the the natural heroism of your average catholic or orthodox i don't think that you know that would give you an information about how strong or how how serious those people are um, mm. And so, so the, the the problem with the Nietzsche, Nietzsche stuff is primarily is that the, the the substance of their criticism is in the real world, but their criticism exists only online. Mm. And so, in order for their critique really to have, you know, if if if, if for instance, the Nietzscheans had like a Church of Nietzsche or something like this, and, and their criticism was like, look at all of these weak and copped Christian churches, ours is so much more based then we would have something to talk about but you know i've I, it's i've for about a year i've been having conversations with some of these pagan guys and uh like billen met to me that they, they they attend to the extent that they do attend pagan services at mm-hmm. all uh, i, I asked them about the real life pagan services they attend and like these things are all like these these are very, very progressive like with, like feminism paganism stuff Right, and then like maybe they'll talk to someone in the back, like one of the old guys who's hip to like sort of the the esoteric ofola type stuff, and, and they're not they do mm. not get immediately described. But the communities they actually are part of, they're more cocked than the Christian ones. They left, yeah, and mm. and so I hate the word cocked, but you know what I mean. They're they're more influenced by progressivism than the ones that they have have left. So so you, you, again you see sort of the curse of the internet coming back towards you and this is sort of what i call a view from nowhere problem whereas the internet incentivizes us to make online critiques of things that exist in the real world but criticisms in order to be meaningful have to have a comparison to them and and so it, it is it does no good to point out problems in the abstract if the alternative you have to that problem isn't isn't actually instantiated in any way so i mean the, the classic example of this the sort of the 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 example that the history books will remember from our generation, and we're of the same generation, will be the New Atheist Movement. And the New Atheist Movement, it it emerged basically in 2008. And what was so funny about the New Atheist Movement is it it, it emerged at, at sort of the point when evangelical Christianity disappeared from relevance writ large. Evangelical Christianity and the resurgence of, of sort of Protestant uh, political power in the United States, it surged in the mid 80s. It came to a peak in the mid 90s. You never would have noticed it. No one remembers the mid 90s as the peak of that power, but that was the peak of their power. And it all throughout the Bush administration, when people were freaking out about it, because Bush was sympathetic to it. It was losing power, and so the new atheist movement came onto the scene when this so- sort of neo fundamentalism was at a low point in its power, and it's only decreased since then. And, and they've been sort of they've been sort of battling this dead ghost of nineteen eighties fundamentalism for, yeah. for, for yeah. twenty years, and in in the process of battling this ghost of a dead fundamentalism. Uh, they essentially they, they either actively participated in the creation of this hysteria or or they waved it through they they, they created a a a mass. Uh, religious hysteria on the left, which we call wokeism or social justice, which which ravaged the West and, and led to a fury of iconoclasm, the extent that we haven't seen since the you know England has not seen this level of iconoclasm since Oliver Cromwell, and, and Europe hasn't seen this level of con- uh, iconoclasm since the Thirty Years' War, and uh, you know and we've only seen the beginning of this hysteria. So because because all they were doing, they were criticizing this sort of closed-mindedness from a, a view from nowhere. They had no comparison. They didn't have a, an alternative community that was more open-minded. All they had was sort of a hypothetical idea of how they would do things in an ideal world. And, and that's sort of something that we had to be very, very aware of, even as right-wingers. The, the, the critique always has to prefer a better thing to a worse thing. It can't simply yeah. make critiques in the abstract.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think when you look at the Nietzschean and you look at the Christian, when you take the Nietzschean, what is fundamentally the Nietzschean, which is will to power, which is fundamentally what will is, it's it's mourness, mourness. If you take away the mourness completely from the Nietzschean, he's going to crumble. If he has nothing, he has no possibility of more mourness and, and growing himself or whatever, and it's just, then he'll I, crumble. You do that to a Christian, he'll be, allow himself to be uh, mauled by a tiger, as we saw yeah. in the, uh, uh, we saw... Many martyrs happened to them, right? The and they're church, for the sake yeah. of us higher in the early church, yeah. When they were persecuted by the, uh, the emperors, right? I'm, I'm just trying to say, when you remove everything, when there's no more value mm. to be gained, uh, that way of being falls apart. I think, uh, and the Christian one doesn't, if you are fun- uh, fundamentally. Or a pagan will, if you're, you're a pagan, has a higher
1: god that is a higher being. If they, I don't know, I'm not a pagan. I don't know. I, I don't think be a pagan, there, there could be like good versions of paganism. I just think that they haven't developed that yet. I think that like yeah. you, you could imagine a mature version of paganism um, uh, mm. come to the fore, but. but i think it would behave a lot differently than most of the online pagans do now and like nietzsche friends i highly respect nietzsche as a thinker and he, everyone yeah, should nietzsche, read him 100%. and yeah. you know it, it's great and, and and like these Nietzscheans, like zero hp lovecraft is a great fiction writer and, and like even some of his cathar- i mean his essays always sound really super angry and, mm. and, but they're fun right they're really fun yeah. right and like bronze age pervert like brilliant yeah, great, creator great, yeah. brilliant brilliant you know he came up with so many evocative concepts uh that so i'm not trying to run these people down I, but i think that like what they're what they're missing here is, is that what, what what they sort of when when they imagine a synthesis between christianity and Nietzscheanism, they're describing something that would be pretty like if you if you that there's if you took that concept their their idea of this merger between the chain and Christi- christianity uh, it, it would be what all of our ancestors just called Christianity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean this yeah. whole idea, this whole mistake, where where you mistake sort of weakness for piety, which is this is the classic progressive mistake where you have these these sort of highly uh, you know over socialized weak people. And David mm-hmm. French would be a great example where 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 they sort of they, they resell their own obsequiousness. To the status quo as being some kind of virtue of charity, and it's obvious that they don't actually do this in a way that would hurt their careers. This would no Christian before 1900 would ever make that mistake. Yeah, people people would be on to this. People understood the difference between just being a a doormat and being somebody who genuinely had humility. And humility is not weakness. And I, I think that you know, I think Nietzsche.
0: I think personal, Nietzsche chain is better moments well. understood
1: this. What? It's personal, not public as well. It's a big difference. Uh, yeah, well, I mean. it's personal. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's personal, anyway, not did, public. It's very, I'd have to think about that, right? Because the difference between humility and weakness is very, very subtle. It's one of these things that has a very large intuitive understanding to it and a very large spiritual understanding to it. Uh, but but you can you can just by reading history and and knowing what's what you can tell that the ancients and or as so you say not the ancients the pre-modern Christians like the pre pre 20th century Christians understood the distinction between these two things and and, and they enforced the distinction uh, th- this sort of new progressive Christianity w- wouldn't fly in previous eras and i think it's really obvious that it wouldn't so you know this this synthesis is going to happen uh but i don't expect it to radically modify christianity in any real way nor do i think it really solves any of christians problems i mean christianity is real world problems I, I'm, I'm not going to lie about this you know a huge problem in modern christianity is that it's ruled by people who don't want to rock the boat and it's, it's ruled by people who don't understand that they're in, that that, that that society is turned against them, and they're not willing to take the steps that will make them the enemies or the adversaries of society generally. And as such, they're constantly in a position where they recommend falling back and retreating because they have never had to really even conceptualize a world where where their views would be seen as unpopular or evil for professing Christian principles. And this is this is something that and, and you know, and the people who promote this stuff are usually older people, older men, older women, what we call boomers online. And um, you know, it's an open question about how you actually uh, teach these people that it change the need. Yes. and and it's not yeah. it's it's not easy. like you can't just slam Nietzsche in their faces and expect them to respect that. Uh, nor, nor should a christian be able to just be like okay you're weak so abandon your principles well what they need to see is I and mean, maybe it's just going to have to be a changing of the guards in which case you know that's that's another conversation but i, I don't see how the nietzsche well, right helps me actually accomplish this real world problem or overcome it
0: yeah i suppose a good way of looking at it is supposed looking at the king the current king
1: um, oh yeah great analogy right yeah, yeah.
0: same problem right is it okay he's and we we now see i'm saying everyone should watch the coronation and see it as the overking which is the distributed cognition hyper agent angel of england is the true king that he's supposed mm-hmm. to be imbued with and he's supposed to imitate but the man himself it doesn't seem like he's going the right way he's going he's, he's not supporting the the true ethnic group he's not uh, yeah it's not good what i can already see he's staying with the road of uh, perennialism and which he would call a traditionalism but how they got to him was through this the surf uh sufi schools right so what they did was get to him when he was a kid um and they was educated by uh perennialist um sufi muslims at the (laughs) school so that, I mean this
1: is this is the same thing changing like, of the guard
0: in in a way that that's a way we could do the same thing I suppose by educating William or we just replace them with some other Arthur if there's a Caesar moment but but well, this that's is, how we could do it but like they do sorry go go This go. has
1: happened everywhere I mean the original vampire is America mm. kind of I mean kind of America I mean elements started in Britain and uh, so I mean America and Britain after World War 2 uh, the and in particular the, the mainstream left of both of these parties you know the the people who were you know, working under Churchill that were more left-wing and eventually took over from him. And then and and, and more so even than that, the people at the State Department, which were Roosevelt apparatchiks. Uh, mm-hmm. since the end of World War II, they've been going around the world, finding various traditions and other cultures that were similar to their own progressive views, and then elevating them in status. So classic examples would be Gandhi, right? Educated Oxford. Uh, cross-pollinated with 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 this stuff like Tolstoy, and and half a dozen of other uh, all these other socialist traditions at Oxford, that that were, were that were very very uh, that were popularizing this idea of progressive Christianity, and so it emerges in sort of post-Gandhi uh, Indian thought or Hindu thought is is this sort of hybrid version of hinduism and christianity <laughs> or, or hinduism <laughs> and progressive christianity yeah. uh, and the same thing is true with with like sufism right sufism mm. is the it it's it's the form of islam that's most amenable to the progressive yeah. worldview and and believe me that's a tough fit with islam right mm. <laughs> right but they yeah. did it right and so at this point uh this at the at this point, the Anglo-American Alliance has built an entire network uh, of mm. of international academic communities and managerial communities that that believe and teach this form of uh, of sort of progressive religiosity, which we now call wokeism in its very form. And, and post-1980s has obtained sort of a puritanical dimension to it. Um, and and th- this is very very hard to unseat because, like I said, I mean, th- I I don't know. I th- does the king of England go to Oxford or Cambridge? I don't know if that if that's. He went to,
0: he went pro- to Cambridge. They they, they Cambridge. trained in the military. Do some kings they go to Oxford, or they all go to Cambridge. Cambridge. I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, it's probably either or. Uh, it might be Cambridge. I don't know. But I do know the yeah. military thing is the most important thing, really. That they yeah, get yeah. trained In the military for five years, about five, around five years and different. Um, so they all actually have a military service. Uh, you know, even the yeah. Prince Andrew served in the Falklands War. Right. So people think they don't. But I mean, that's aside to the subject. But yeah. So they actually are, and- are most of them veterans. Um, sorry, go.
1: Yeah, and that, that that's a, that, that's a class that's that's supposed to filter this stuff out. Right?
0: That's right. And They've yeah.
1: taken that over, though, right? It yeah, did work.
0: That's the shame that we've forgotten how it used yeah, to work, and they penetrated those organizations. Um, you know, it used it, to a, function properly. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's supposed to. It's supposed to, and the military service is supposed to be so you don't just get taught by a bunch of uh, Brahmins at Oxford to have these crazy yeah. ideas. But the <laughs> the Brahmin ideas that come out of Oxford and Cambridge. That you know you see in like Sufi Islam or modern yeah. iterations of Sufi Islam, and and big time in sort of moderate iterations of like Hinduism, like the stuff that mm. you know Gandhi was talking about, right? Which probably I would I wouldn't be surprised if more of Gandhi's ideas came from Oxford and Tolstoy than they came from Hinduism. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like because they're much time, more right? based. So like,
0: they're more based when you go back.
1: The caste system, yeah, exactly, more, yeah. way more, yeah. The, the British Empire was conquered, not by Gandhi, or dissolved right. not by Gandhi, but by Oxford, in my opinion. Mm. And and so, and, and elements... Well, once of Oxford the, had been conquered, once Oxford had yeah. been conquered, then it was, you know. Well, was, um, well you know, I, no, I, I guess,
0: yes, Oxford, I know all of those people versus the Catholics. Oxford did, I know where you're going to go with
1: that. <laughs> I, know I, I, I think with. these... These ideas have been bumming around for Oxford since Oliver Cromwell's time. Right. I mean, you know, these ideas of sort of radical equality where you can can go back to like the the time of the new Model army and find people who thought this stuff. America was built by America as a colony. Of, of these progressive ideas right we were yeah. colonized by by ideas that came out of cambridge and stuff like that but at the same uh, that, time the we've always
0: had the greatest resistance to it too right like yeah when we exactly. Virginia. Yes. so we have must remember that the anglo actually has a really powerful conservative streak. there's a reason why it is the last monarch in europe right yet at the same mm-hmm. time it's got the very dangerous part of it too which is in essex that essex and anglia that, they're the people that went to puritan massachusetts right the east uh, close to where the Calvinists, you know, they went over the boat. They, they knew each other, you know, the Dutch. And the Wessex people went to Virginia where they were hierarchy of respecters, mm. where they were. And unfortunately that got right, wrapped up with yeah. slavery. But that way of being was such a much better Anglo hierarchical way of being rather than the equality yeoman. That, that yeoman in, in, was a hierarchy. Sorry, go, let's jump in. I,
1: no, I wouldn't be the first American to compare them, to say that the American Civil War was essentially the Cavaliers versus the Roundheads part two. Uh, because yeah, like literally the colonies were like the the Cavaliers colonized the South and the Roundheads colonized the North, right? Mm. Mm. Um, yes, they you know, did. That's so, right. Yeah, yeah. So, thing, so I mean, the obviously, trouble... there's a lot of different stuff. The, it's 200 years. Wait, it's roughly 200 years later, right? But still, like it's the same ideas playing mm. out. But but I think you're absolutely right. Right, I mean England has the highest resistance. The Anglo world has the highest resistance. So it's it, it, I I, th- I don't know if the if sort of the the new seed will start sprouting in England because it seems like that's a very hard place to operate in the present day. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But 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 I, I definitely do see the Anglo tradition being the being the tradition that develops the idea that eventually kills this idea off. Or that synthesizes ah, it into something yeah. that's even remotely healthy or or that or they can synthesize some I new civilization that works from this because that's amazing uh, to me you see that because i thought the same
0: thing i just didn't think anyone would agree with me on it that it was going to be us first in first out was my thought of that right is that with the industrial revolution seeing it sooner and then you've got this 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 conservative this traditional resistance to it the whole time right and so that's how i see it why do you think that is that it would be the first
1: oh, i i don't think it's gonna come from england i think it's gonna come from anglos though I yeah, think, anglos. yeah anglos. i think Ang- I'll, I'll be beyond know. seed will will i mean mm. I, i'm not anglo-saxon i'm german most close enough uh mm. i mean obviously americans are not any one thing ever right and so you know i've got some other european ethnicities in there um but uh you know the the to me, it struck me that Albion Seed is likely going to be the one who fixes this problem. Mm, uh, mm. Although, you know, so, so to me, like, you know, this is, oh man, it's hard because all of these places are really hyper locked down, but Australia and Canada and South Africa might be places to look for things. South yeah. Africa, no, I know they're Dutch and not Anglo Saxon, but, but, you know, there's a lot of Anglo
0: Saxons there there's a lot of English yeah yeah true emigrated so well i so, never
1: yeah. exactly know how south africa deals with that distinction because sometimes it seems like there, uh, there's a lot of bad blood between the anglo-saxons and the dutch there and other times it seems like they're they're one common co-ethnicity trying to survive against the anc rule and i can never yeah. figure out which one it is <laughs> it seems like it depends on the day of the week at this stage right yeah <laughs> Half the times the Afrikaners are looking to their Anglo allies. The second half of the time, they're yeah. complaining yeah. about being put into concentration camps in like the 1890s or whatever, right? Um, yeah. So
0: what? even the the people that are there that are Anglo's, they consider themselves English Anglo, but they still want to stay there. I spoke to one guy and I said, "Why don't you try get out, man? It's pretty terrible." He goes, "No, I see it as my land or whatever." But I think you're very right in terms of these other places to look to it because there's a lot of energy there whereas the old world and even America s- some people are feeling very uh, what's that German phrase where they're world weary but it does seem yeah. like there's a lot of energy that I see in the antipodes where they've just been uh, locked off from the world for so long that they have this energy to get involved and go to America and go to England and, and continue you know uh, be a part of the fight so if that's where you were going with that I do think there is energy there there solution could come from those places where the Anglo is there as well.
1: It's weird because everyone's traveling on their own separate trajectory here, right? You have in mm-hmm. America, there's more energy, but the security state is more powerful. Mm-hmm. In Canada, there's less energy, but the security state is less powerful. Uh, you know, in, in Australia, you have sort of an, an enormous amount of land and a strong Anglo tradition, but at the same time, they, you know they, they seem to have very, very little resistance to this stuff at this stage uh you know they seem to be an earlier stage of development than than we do in america so yeah it's um, a, probably
0: a population uh, thing that's where the americans have the advantage the state is very powerful in australia um so there's there's that yeah because the population is even. dense
1: right yeah you, it's it's not dense on paper because you divide mm. by the entire land mass of australia but like the actual populated area of australia is like it's like the size of you know two england's right
0: yeah, yeah, it's around the uh, think, around the the coastal areas. So yeah, there's like um, a, there's a
1: little part around like uh, Melbourne, a little part around Sydney, and then there's another side on on Perth or whatever, right? And that's it, right? Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. So uh, th-
0: there's that's where I see that energy being based. That they they know there's a big space there. The miners, there's this, maybe there's a union might help if that at that Kansic union where it allows conservatives and traditionalists to go between these countries and to more collaborate and fly between it. Um, might help. They've talked about people are pushing for this Kansas Union. So at least within that Anglosphere, there'd be free movement, Um, because that's the trouble, right? You need a certain amount of density, which you guys have in America, where you can go to a basket weaving. You know, it's going to be there.
1: Um, uh, England has that, too. Europe has that, too. But not sometimes. Right. (laughs) Depending on where you are in America, we're trying to get this more prominent.
0: Well, maybe you can expand upon that. Your plans for that, and what what your personal goals are. For for, my, for me, my two goals are to help people go in person and to give people this vital spirit. For, for you, what what are your goals going forward with that? Uh, what gives you um, vitalism, and what do you want to give to people to help them? What's your get? Yeah, well, you that, that,
1: that's kind of that's, that's actually a good question, right? Because um, I, I don't know how fast these things can go, right? Because there's a certain so what, what I'm, on the basket weaving front, what, what I'm currently working on, and I don't know if this will take me years to write because there's a problem with publishing this thing too early. I have sort of a list of best practices for developing basket weaving projects. And we're working on sort of the support technology for that. But who knows how long that goes, right? We've got a bunch of programmers working pro bono on stuff like websites and, and the stuff like forums we we're talking about for exchanging gig economy stuff that, that's still in the works. I can't tell you how long that's going to develop, right? Um, we're, we're working on getting our conferences sort of more stable. But but I think that the most important thing is to sort of develop a content ecosystem that, that Has some consistent way of rewarding good content. Uh, Obviously, YouTube is on YouTube. So I guess I'll go from the online and I'll go to the real, right? Uh, Obviously, YouTube no longer works in the way where other YouTubers' opinion of you matters more than the algo's opinion of you. But our side of YouTube, it has to be that other people's opinion of you and the community has to matter more than how many clicks you're getting, how many subscribers you're getting. I, there's a lot of different ways to facilitate this. You know, Group chats work very, very well. Community time works very, very well. Uh, having access to resources that link you to the real world works very, very well. But there needs to be a pipeline so that better content comes to the fore and just attention grabbing content, while important, it's part of the ecosystem that has to be more instrumental, more in the background. The direction of all people should be to come from the attention-seeking stuff and push towards the high-minded philosophical stuff, the sociological stuff, the community-building stuff, and and to kind of use that as a springboard to actually interact with real institutions. And right now, if you're in America, we're in the process of conquering the conservative movement. I'm I'm, I'm trying not to be a, a braggart about this, but we are mainstreaming. You know mm-hmm. we we are people mm-hmm. and you know people oftentimes give yoram Herzoni uh, a bad time because you know he comes from a different religious cultural tradition than we do and oftentimes you know he doesn't understand our struggles because there are just certain things he can do as an israeli that we can't do as gentiles right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes his advice is irritating but the work he's done in the national conservatism conference has been amazing at mainstreaming dissident ideas in the conservative movement and having them get play. And you already see the work from like the Claremont Institute and Tucker Carlson moving these ideas into the mainstream. So that's the process from the online side. From from the real side, the, the process is to, to, to make a, a community where no matter what you're doing or where you are, there's some resource that you can take from it. So. Every single person who, who watches content in this sphere should be able to say, if I wanted to you know, actually take a step in this direction in activism, in participating in the gig economy, this community has given me resources so that I, I'm actually taking something from it. I'm not just feeding a parasocial algorithm. And and for and, and there's so many projects in this capacity. That uh, I can't mention them all. I, I, it wouldn't be fruitful for me to mention them all, but but the one I like mentioning is basket weaving because it's happening right now. And all the other projects are like, okay, we're working on it. It's a piece of software. Maybe it will happen in a few years. Maybe it won't. You know. But but the basket weaving thing is happening right now. And I think the stage that we are with that is, you know, like you were saying, like I, I had no idea that that rules for friends would be so useful. Um, but maybe that is what people need, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe what it is people need is 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 it, it's time to actually take the best practices that we've seen work in basket weaving, and and, and circulate them and get people. I mean, if, if it's just you and a bunch of Discord mm-hmm. anons, then it's hard to know how to put it together. But if you have rules to follow and a process, uh, you know, you might be able to actually uh, get the ball rolling in, in a way that I mean- you couldn't otherwise.
0: And not just a procedure to read once. Because for me, I, I actually went back to it a few times. Because obviously, life is a practice. You need to build up a virtue engine. That is a code. But it, you do need to re- return to it, to imprint it, right? Because I find, like, if I'm interacting, you do get pulled in by uh, Twitter's way of being. And you go, ah, yeah. I go, ah, why? And you go, why did I bloody step across the line there, right? Normally, you wouldn't do it. You get drawn in. And so that helped me going back to that a few times. So perhaps as a way to proceduralize it uh, in some way that is like you said, a video helps, but, but so, I don't know, some sort of practice to put it in. I don't know. It could be a part of uh, basket weaving somehow. Right. It could be. And that would mean when someone turns up, people yeah. so go, go, oh, here's a brochure, this is our thing. And that's a procedure people hear the basic yeah. principles. Then it's not just seen once it's sort of imprinted a bit more. And that helps build up a virtue engine uh, to keep those behaviors, just re- as a reminder. Um, yeah, I, ha- really, I have yeah. to
1: emphasize that this is a very complicated process because we don't know yeah. what works. Uh, so, for instance, like the basket weaving, what's, what's important about it is that it's not an organization; it's a practice for meeting people. Yeah, uh, there's not like like there's no political agenda or anything like that. And because if you if you are online and you start developing an organization. And like just hand out memberships to online people and then try to meet in real life. That process does not work because first of all, it attracts the attention uh, Mm. of intelligence agencies and counter right wing agencies (laughs) that will do everything in their power to totally subvert you and to demonize you. And if you hand out memberships willy-nilly, what they'll do is they'll go to your worst members and your most wing-knot members. And then they'll just take uh photos of them, and they'll plaster it all over the internet, and then they'll get you to denounce your own people. Um, so so what works, what what, what needs to happen is that this stuff needs to be layered in a certain way. There need to be mm-hmm. individual regional groups of friends that meet up and talk about these ideas they need to build their own organizations and their own trust networks and their own groups of people who they can actually rely on and that they know are good people. And then that at that stage, once that's built, that needs to be kind of plugged into a larger apparatus of, of ideology, Mm -hmm. but only once we have situations where we, where we know people are quality and not psychopaths in the real world. Can, Can that be layered over it? So, this is a very, very, you know, it's so easy to just kind of drive the media algorithm and generate clout and generate drama. It's so hard to generate something real because it's a very, very delicate process. And if you heat the, if you heat the formula too quickly, you'll you'll boil the pot over. And and we're gonna make a lot of mistakes going through this process. Uh, but in my opinion, it's it's important to encounter these mistakes, and to understand how not to make them again. And you know, I could I could actually tell you about a bunch of mistakes we made and learned from, but I don't want to really publicize those because they yeah, can be yeah, embarrassing to people. Uh, so so, but you know, but, we have made a variety of mistakes even this year hmm. that we've learned from, and um, you know, we, we we won't we won't make them again, and we'll try to communicate them in and work going forward. So what what people are also looking for are just the
0: even simplest things that they can perhaps add to their routine. They can even make the first start, to perhaps even uh, meeting in person or going to church. For you, what are some of your I don't know your, even your most basic morning routines or things that might give you a bit of uh, you know uh, towards work? What do you, uh, vitalism, anything like that, that gives you vitality, or even just simple practices that uh, you go through in your essays yeah, or whatever well, it
1: might well, be? I just I just started a diet, I guess. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as a parent. I had a routine and then your parents, your, your routines is totally disrupted by your kid's routine. And so, so I had a hard time because it, it my routine will look different, whether he's in a phase where he wakes up at 5.00 AM or whether he's in a phase where he wakes up at 7.00 AM. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, this is a process we're working on for me personally, the one advice I want to give people through all this stuff is you, you don't just want to make a commitment to yourself and your smartphone. Uh, what you what you want to do is you you want to make all these things regular right you want to make you want to have it as a pattern of your life like you always do this on this day you always do that on that day and the more regular you can get it the more rhythm it has uh the more likely it's going to actually be a permanent fixture of your life as opposed to just sort of a mood you adopted once and then immediately moved off of
0: yeah i think that what happens in a way uh, i've been thinking a lot about this is that say you've done it for two weeks when you get up in the morning to do it after that two weeks, it's almost like the spirit of the your past having been is is pushing you. It's actually mm-hmm. another being saying, "Ah, oh, yeah, I've already done this." So you got the, it's yeah. your humanness that's going. Yeah, it's part of your being. Your having been is part of your being, and it's right there going. yeah, there it is. We're, this is the same because we're temporal creatures. We are time in a way. So it's yeah. not just a yeah. habit. It's actually you that's going. So your being is pulled across time. And the more so when you pull it out, you're building a stronger spirit, really, in these different yeah, areas. Absolutely. But what about for writing? You must have a because people would be interested in that. That's, uh, you must have a where do you get your ideas from? How do uh, how do you do that? Where do they come from? You must have something you do. Every uh, to... everything
1: is everything has been completely changed by having a kid because I um this is an unfortunate thing because all my ideas happen during my work hours. So I just have a notebook where I scribble the ideas down. And then when I get a spare hour, I try to put them into uh sub and then format them, mm. you know, and, and I guess, I guess I, I, I'm not bashful about using things like Grammarly and voice to te- text to voice. Uh, mm. Because I feel that I you know when, when I'm doing this at like 10 PM. So, my ability oh, yeah. to kind of nitpick details is limited, and so I kind of need to lean a little bit more heavily on that uh, that technological technological side. Um, for for me, uh, I, I would just say uh, there's different for for writing. It's difficult. Um, you know, I, I would say that you know, if, if you're a writer, look at the articles you like reading and try to kind of copy their structure. Because a lot of times, at least this is a big problem in America. In America, all kids are taught to write in this particularly bland five-paragraph essay form that's designed to mimic what appears on standardized tests. And this form does not resemble in the slightest the kind of expository writing that you encounter in actual uh, Mm. publications, at least in publications that exist in, in a context that are read online. So the first thing you want to do is you want to read articles that you like and see how they're structured when wh- where is their thesis how do they bring it up how do they introduce stories and the, the other thing you want to do and i think that this is a good advice for both speaking and writing is, is you want to kind of have a feedback maybe, maybe this is bad advice right but but you want to have a, a kind of feedback between writing and speaking this is the only way i learned how to write is, is you want to as you want to take a speech you just Start talking extemporaneously about a topic and have a point and then try to put that into an essay and then take an essay you write, write and then try to summarize it. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, have an yeah. essay you write and then summarize it into like a 10 minute talk that captures the main points of that essay. Um, what, obviously, I'm, I'm, I won't be breaking any new grounds by saying that one of the best right wing speakers in you know the last 25 years was Jonathan Bowden. And, you know, I have yeah. a bunch of quibbles yeah. with him, him being a pagan and all that. And you know, obviously, ideologically, we have some quibbles. But what was so amazing about Jonathan Bowden is he had, um, you know, he had this uh, this way of speaking extemporaneously uh, mm-hmm. that was literary, right? Uh, he, he he spoke off the cuff like you would expect somebody to write with an editing job on top of that. And the the way he could do that is that he so internalized the form and structure of the, I I don't know, he probably had an amazing natural talent for this. Mm. But this is something that English people can do that somehow Americans are incapable of doing is this incredible fluency with the English language. It Mm. must be something about the way you're taught to speak. And the way your education institution, and this is actually, this has dropped off significantly in Englishmen in the last 20 years, I've noticed that tragically, they probably have been adopting some of the American mind viruses that have come from our educational institutions, Yeah, but at least 20 years ago yeah because yeah. the public schools will actually teach a certain way of speaking which sounds kind of like
0: how i sound right it, it was a yeah. in the schools right and i think this is really important what you're br- talking about because i do believe we're uh, entering an age of orators, where the spoken word yeah. and being good at um uh, being on video like you are that this is a practice actually being on video public speaking doing a live stream you get as much a lot of tension doing that right this is a practice yeah. and being able to articulate yourself in front of an audience and this is an education perhaps we should help offer people that follow us as well right and that and, is and I, have, I have a speech
1: impediment to... right like i have a speech impediment yeah. and like it, it works it, it, even if you have a speech impediment it's important to do this because it improves your writing as well mm. um yes and reading and writing out loud uh is actually yes. very helpful um for that
0: um but yes this this uh speaking because now writers can get exploited right you have a publication mm. if you're just a byline you're just a title. But if you're the face and the voice of something, they can't hide you in the corner. People want to hear that voice yeah. again, don't they? So it's Well, a way now of the stuck AI the middle is there. Now. Yeah, who yeah knows that's, true. that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's know, true.
1: You know, but, but uh, you know, you can be deepfaked very easily these days. But I mean, that's not going to capture the core of your spirit. You know, yeah. the, the deepfake can only go so far in this regard because uh the the stuff uh, the stuff that that makes you sort of a magical speaker is something that even you can't really fully explain yeah that's true and that's true. um so it's, it's very diff- difficult to mimic that way um you know but 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 the process of, of reading writing and speaking need to be seen as sort of a cycle rather than a place you just stay yes and yes. uh if you're not doing one without the other you're not really doing it uh one thing i think this is this is um Another thing that um, we need to sort of develop, I don't really know how we redevelop this, but the short story is dead and the poem has been dead for many, many years in the modern publishing industry. If we could do anything in the right winged circles, it would be to bring back the poem and to bring back mm-hmm. the the short story. And it might be through this process of reading or uh, uh, yeah. reading and writing sequentially. So someone writes it, someone reads it. Um, and and because the, the poem is nothing if it's not sung or spoken in, in a poetic way. There's I have this great recording of my favorite poet, uh, William Butler Yeats. And mm-hmm. he's speaking at like what, I don't know, Trinity College in Dublin or something like that, right? And, and he tells the students, he says, um, everyone who reads my poems reads them as if they're prose. Yeah, <laughs> and he said, I, I watch I watch students read my poems. And he said it took me a hell of a lot of work to get that poem into verse, and it, mm. it kills me. It, it, I don't know exactly what words he chose, but he said it it hurts me to see my students put equal amount of work getting it out of verse. Right, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, and so um, oh, you know there needs to be this the, the, this pathway which which we try to understand. Uh, speaking and and reading in in a form of rhythm, yeah. And I, I... a written language has a rhythm to it, and the more you adopt that rhythm, the stronger a writer you will be. Mm. And uh, you know, it's a, I I, it's a...
0: I agree with you on poetry. I, I, actually, a lot of that's most videos that people like of things I've done is unpacking what they mean. And, mm. and, well, it's and there's a performance element to that. When I I don't just read. If I do an essay, I've done essays that have some poetry in them. Um, Yeah, it's performative, right? And so in a sense, and I spoke to Jay Dyer about this, is that what we actually need is some things that the performance, like the Royal Academy of Arts, if we could have like a right-wing improv where based humor, as yeah. improv used to be, anything's permitted. That would be a great thing for one day for Beowulf Foundation if I have any actors join us or something, yeah. which is pretty rare because actors, are, you know, they want jobs and all that. But there are some who've contacted me. So if we had a based improv, man, what a great practice for young men to go do. I did improv; it's the best thing I ever did. For improv, yeah, is sort and, of a, and, you know what improv is, right? It's a
1: oh uh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. like that's, that's huge, and, mm-hmm. and like that's that's huge in the the West Coast cities improv um this this is something that you know eventually we'll 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 try we'll have to experiment with when we get our communities a little bit stronger Mm -hmm. it is sort of experimenting with all of these uh performative forms that are less degenerate you know uh, theater is difficult because theater is i mean this is obviously the purview of our um and and theater is that this is um the the great philosophers have been right. to always suspect theater as being uh, the 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 sort of source of political corruption. Right? It, it's yeah. not it's not a yeah. coincidence that we're ruled yeah, by the theater yeah. kids, and that's because the, the mentality of the uh, of the theater kid is the mentality of cloud generation. It's the generation yeah. of drama for drama's sake. Yeah, and yes, and poems are it's... are not supposed to be like that. And um, maybe. You know, we, we could develop our own theater tradition uh mm. that sort of that, that sort of leans on the poetic tradition more than it does the mm. the simply the clout generation tradition that we all kind of know and loathe that you see so prominently on the left. Um well,
0: this is what I talk but, about when I always talk about authentic being is that in the ethnic group, even in yourself, I would even say is that even in Americans, there is an authentic being underneath inauthentic propositions deep in being that still has held out safe, that sort of ethnic spirit, right? And when you do great theater that's connected to that, it can call to that being, and that can be impelling. Uh, so yeah. say you get the values right. So you see uh, when a woke movie comes out, it's not as impelling. They can use all the effects and they can still get people to watch, but... If you really have something that's imbued with those fundamental values, they match. It's like uh, offering something that is connected to an archetype. Let's say that's in your being, and your own collective unconscious, you would call it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's drawing. That's drawing. So it's, if we can get it right, it's a competitive advantage and it's not degenerate. Then you're lifting up something that is actually crucial to political consciousness, as you talked about in your essay. It's underneath it. It's the being underneath it that gives it authority, that gives it um, its vital force. That actually allows a x mark to be put somewhere as a goal for political life because it's the world it builds the world around it and then the will chooses something in that religious world right so mm-hmm. that is definite potential that's what i'm trying to say it's not something no that's... no
1: absolutely yeah i mean this is yeah. th- this is uh, it's kind of funny about like the ethnic component of this thing um it- it's weird because it is and it isn't uh there is sort of a universal spirit uh but it, it always has an ethnic dimension to it um you know and, and this you can see this very much in Shakespeare where he trans. Shakespeare is a author that translates incredibly well into non non-anglo like almost like pretty naturally well people think it's supernatural how well Shakespeare translates into Japanese or German in particular that's another one Shakespeare translates very well into German and uh you know you have people in india translate into sanskrit or hindi and it does it very very well um and so you know it, the, the idea of an ethnic spirit or a racial bio spirit I, there's an element of truth to that but i think it oftentimes gets abused a little bit because you you i'm you talking would, about a sort of the eternal entity no than, uh, they're, they're, like uh, you have to bio. I, I do respect but yeah like i always i always i I don't always say this, but but I've, I sort of a kooky theory I've played around with in my own mind is that you know, God always speaks with a universal voice, but He never speaks to a universal humanity. When when God speaks, He always speaks to a people. He always speaks to the Israelites, or He always speaks to the Romans, or He always speaks mm-hmm. to the Persians. A, a, God has never once, in my opinion, gener- uh, has spoken to humanity generally so yeah, there's something about the nature of the revelations that mm-hmm. by it's 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 because i don't think that god could speak to humanity generally outside of something like you know outside of the literal incarnation or something like the garden of eden i don't think that's possible so uh you know the you have sort of the Rumi's element elephant mm-hmm. thing right whereas um see yes, everyone Lewis, has a particular element yeah everyone has, sees a particular element and, and 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 if you try to describe the thing universally you'd probably not be describing the thing authentically right i agree uh, because well, your experience cannot effect. possibly be universal right so mm. like the, the reason why universal christian theology fails so often and ethnic Christian you know theology seems to be more relevant mm. is is not because god is not universal it's because uh by trying to experience god universally you're not being authentic to yourself right you do not experience god in a universal way you experience him through the lens through the glass uh, of the people you belong to and if you tell people that you don't you've started off your testament with a lie right Mm. so you know, I, I have. To, I, I we need to be very careful about this whole universalism versus particularism thing. To me, it's very, very obviously a, a kernel of truth in both, and mm. not an oppositional structure. And, and I, I think that statement from myself is like I think I'm being hundred percent orthodox when I say that.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of truth so, to what you're you're saying there. C.S. Um, so yes, Lewis has even talked about that each culture having its fulfillment. You even approach that as Dasein is it each one has a, a, pl- a plural signs, they have their particular uh, way of being, yet there are certain, they can never get outside of it, right? They can never get outside mm-hmm. of it. So say you've got, they are uh, the manifestation of a multiplicity that they can never get outside truly, even though people think they can universalize it. It's only when you leave temporal reality that, that you are outside of it and returning to the principle. The principle is universal. We can never have the principle. And I don't mean that in the sense of a propositional principle. You know what I mean? Behind manifestation. Yeah, I mean, there, there may have been
1: people um, who have, most, You know, there may have been people who've been able to get outside their own time and place and experience the universal principle. But mm-hmm. I think 90% of the time when you do, like, like spiritual masters may have been able to do that. But 90% of the time when you, you attempt to do this, like now what people do is they just discard their own, you know, individual yeah. ethnic perspective and replace it with nothing or bland corporatism, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, or feel-good universalism of the John Lennon variety, right? And th- mm. that is not what people were experiencing when they experienced the transcendent nature of God in the mm. past. Uh, very few people can do that. And I don't think the path to that is just deconstruction. Although mm-hmm. everyone wants to believe that that's the case, right?
0: And I also think that... um the king is supposed to be an icon or, or the Celtic uh, ancient Mabingoian text said, uh, the chiefest is, is the bridge, right? To transcend it. Mm-hmm. And now we know the king is the icon of God in the Byzantium. But I think a better way to put it is the king is supposed to be the icon or supposed to be the symbol or sim- to enact the over king, which is the ethnic angel, you could call it, the metaphysical entity mm-hmm. that each people is. And that, uh, that, entity hyper agent is then an an icon for god so that's the thing you imitate your greatest heroes who have the spirit of your people Mm. and it's a constituent being of those greatest heroes the king presents a mortal localization that imitates that and then it goes up so you don't go direct to some universal thing you go through the the chain right and um those are beings and they should have rights in a way right a way of being should be um protected um, so I guess we're coming full circle talking about that. I don't want to keep it too much longer. Um, oh, sure, but maybe sure. even just say, what do you think of that? And if you have anything else you want to talk about or uh, note or anything like that, uh,
1: I've run a channel called the distributist. You can find me at a sub called biddler screen. Um, and I, I use what time I have outside my wage job to, 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 to do this stuff. And, um, you know, th- th- this is, you know, we're kind of, um, you know, I think that this whole idea of the, the the king as the ethnic hero, this obviously was an element of all peoples' experience previously. This this is very much something that you see in, in medieval Christianity. You see this in Tolkien with his idea of like the Valar and and the ancient lineages that go back to Numenor and all this stuff. Um, so so this is absolutely a component of Christian civilization, as it probably was in pre-Christian civilizations. But the problem is, it's also deeply organic. You know, um, I, I don't know what creates this. I mean, I guess war creates it, right? Uh, war, war creates it to an extent. You know, not and not, but I don't think just war creates it, and and, and war does also destroys it. So, you know, when, when we say these, when we talk about these sort of icons of ethnicity, um, these are something these, these are things. These are stories that have to develop organically from our experience of reality and our experience of history. And uh, and uh, they can't be manufactured out of theory. Uh, the, the most damaging idea, and, and I see a lot of right wingers copy this, is that I think Spengler doesn't. And you know, this is to his great credit. Uh, he, you know, the the idea of left wing theory is that like you have a theory, and then you create iterations of that theory that are praxis, which you put into action. And then eventually, through successive elements of praxis, you obtain what the theory promises. Uh, this is absolutely not what goes on, in my opinion. Theory, especially theory and politics, is a post hoc explanation of what has occurred. It's history. And the important thing to take from these theories is not so much a like a plan that you sort of enact instantiations of. But it's it sort of it's what you're trying to take from it is sort of wisdom and an attitude that so you you read this stuff so that you can have the proper attitude to this age. So reading Spengler, like the point is not to come up with some plan to save your civilization. The point is to recognize that your civilization is in the winter phase and, and that your plan for your life and your hope for the future can cannot rely upon the springtime to to make that a. Uh, to make, to give that relevance and to give it purpose. Uh, Your, the, 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 the thing you take away is that you have to properly live in the time that you are given. And, and the wisdom you take from online or from theory, its main product is to teach you a little bit sort of the physics of politics, but I, I wouldn't recommend dwelling on the physics of politics like Machiavelli. It's to teach you, you know, how the world works, to us, how people behave when power is involved, which is important from a survival point of view. You know, you need to know that the the line will kill you if you get within its claws, which power will do if you antagonize it. Uh, but it, but but on a spiritual level, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to give you these instincts, this deep wisdom, uh, so that you can take the particular circumstances that you find in your own life, and you can kind of process it better. You can weave your life around it. Uh, the, the, you no, know, I've always thought that the reason why my generation is so prone to depression is, is that they, they their entire lives, they're raised to live in in the, uh, the in this reality, in this story that's manifestly not coming into fruition. And depression, you know, obviously, you know, the serotonin deficits and all this stuff. Uh, I think increasingly we're seeing that this is the consequence of just being unhappy, as opposed to the driver of it. The depression is correlated with a serotonin imbalance, but it's not, you know. And we, there's actually a science to show this is not driven by it. And, and what I think what's driven what's what's really driving it is the fact that our, our the our, the story of our lives is sort of radically out of balance with the reality uh, that that we experience in our day to day lives. And you know, you look at the movies, for instance. Right, the, the movies are worse because you, you, you know, in, in the 90s for so for instance i saw a movie the other night it was actually a good one um but but i saw the pre what struck me is all the previews uh of this uh from this movie they were all like these screwball comedies like who cares it's all a joke fart joke fart joke fart joke uh these things seemed kind of like funny and cute in the 90s and the 2000s because we thought we were in like this era of you know permanent wealth and so it's a big joke to see how petty we are uh but but now when we realize that our pettiness and and our degeneracy is actually killing us and our descendants and leading to a worse world suddenly having a bunch of characters farting on each other in their 40s is not funny it's depressing and and (laughs) so you can't even like you could do a good comedy you know like i actually think that like you know you could do a good comedy um in our present era, but it actually might look more like The Tempest than it would look like a Seth MacFarlane movie or something like that. Mm. Um, uh, because, you know, the first thing that people are looking for above all else is sort of a story of hope and rejuvenation. And then, you know, in that story of rejuvenation and, and trial through a period uh, of hardship, uh, they might be able to rediscover levity, but simply like dumping irreverence and levity on top of a world where everything is kind of melting down around you like that's just depressing and so i think i think depression and and despair in our own era it's not even really generated by some you know state of pain it's generated by the fact that the stories we tell ourselves are out of sync with what we're actually experiencing
0: yeah and also the hierarchy is actually unreal in the sense that you're exposed to a hierarchy that you're not really participating in therefore you're yeah. uh, simulated being lower in that hierarchy Go, oh, I'm not the center of attention and power. And you're, this is Twitter, yeah, right? Exactly. In reality, you, in your local, you could be very high in that local hierarchy and you get the appropriate serotonin. Because if you're on the low in the hierarchy, you don't get as much serotonin, right? If you are the lowest of the low, that's the, how it works, isn't it? How it's about where you are socially. You're not, uh, you get less serotonin based on, I think that's how it works anyway yeah anyway i won't keep i won't keep you on demand great all right well it's a very interesting
1: conversation you know that this is the conversations that everyone is having right and and we're going to come there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done just kind of taking these feelings people have and putting them into actual things that people can live out and we're going to make a lot of mistakes but we're working on it right that's right that's right
0: more network building more in person more vitality towards in person more spirituality Thank you, Dave. It's yeah. been great. Uh, uh, and I hope you come on again and we can chat again oh, in the I will future. Definitely, and yeah.
1: that. Excellent, man. <laughs> time zones. Uh, look forward time, to hopefully... time zones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's
0: right. And hopefully it, hopefully, it's some in-person basket weaving or something. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. God bless, sure. All God right. bless and uh, God save the overking, as I say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, that, how good we'll cut day. it there. God bless. That was yeah. great, man.